Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Audio Mac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Romantic Truth Podcast. Please be advised that the content of this show is for mature audiences 18 and over due to the topics discussed. Please feel free to follow and like Romantic Truth on Facebook at facebook.com slash romantic truth. You may also listen to the podcast on anchor.fm slash romantic truth. Now, here is your host Jawson. Hi everyone, Johnson with you here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas, baby, yes. We're going to talk about a serious subject matter today. We addressed it a few years ago, and well, I thought that we need to talk about it again, according to your interest in what you've written in to emails. Colorism and dark-skinned women. It's an issue, folks. Let's not bullshit ourselves. Now, let me kind of educate some of you that may not have been exposed to this phenomenon. Here's what happens. A lot of times when you see a darker skinned woman, she could be Latin, she could be African American, she could be Native American, she could be East Indian. In other words, the generic stereotype of a woman of color. That would include every woman. Because they all have some sort of color. But the more we try to become inclusive, a lot of times, the more we alienate ourselves. And Sometimes people want to have it both ways. Yeah, we want to have the BET Awards, but we don't want you to call your awards the White Entertainment Television Awards, WET. But here's what you have to look at. When you put things in context of race, you're going to always have a visceral reaction because America was founded on slavery. That's not going to ever go away. So as long as you keep bringing it up, you keep using the N-word in your songs, in your music, in your movies, you're still going to have issues because as long as you bring it up, it's still within the conversation. that somebody will use it. Now, here's the problem. A lot of times, especially in the African-American community, darker-skinned women have been not so desired. Now, there are some people that will date them There are others who will not. Same thing with dark-skinned men. What you will find is that some of the ugliest dark-skinned men that 
black women do not want, white women do for some reason. That's just the way it is. And here's the thing. It all depends on the value a person sees on another person. And that's subjective. One person may say, this is my trash. The other person say, this is my treasure. Now, with dark-skinned black women, it has nothing to do more often than not with the way they are physically. As I told you before, I dated a very dark-skinned Ugandan woman. They had long hair. The best teeth I've ever seen on a woman. The best attitude I have yet to see in a woman. Even though she went through many of the things that dark-skinned women have to put up with the bullshit. The white women walking up to her Rubbing her skin like she's a fucking mannequin. Oh, I love your skin. Or going, sticking her hands in her hair without her permission. And then I'd have to correct her up. No, you don't do that shit. Because as a black man, you would not let me put my hand in your hair, would you? Well, well, her hair is so silky and I don't give a fuck. You wouldn't let me touch your hair unannounced without your permission right you call the cops I said in fact I think she should well I didn't mean to offend her well you did folks please understand no matter who that woman is no matter what race she is don't touch her without her permission This is not the old South where you could walk up to a slave and just touch them. You're going to get the shit knocked out if you are locked up or sued. This is to help you so you won't make that mistake. When it comes down to a black woman's hair, very sensitive topic. Because see, black women have been teased for centuries about their hair. And where did it all come from? Where did that complex come from? Slavery. Don't send that gal into the into the big house with her hair all over the place. Gonna put that kerchief over her head. I remember growing up, I can't tell you how many black women I saw with kerchiefs on their head. Down in the South. Rollers in the hair. Going to the grocery store. Because that was an important part. Because women have been given that complex ever since slavery. You know that inferiority complex, not feeling like they're good enough? That's where much of that shit comes from. That's the reason why the beauty industry, they're making so much money off of black people, it ain't funny. And half the companies are not even black-owned anymore. Well, hell, majority of them. Redline bought most of them out.
And this is what you're dealing with. So it cuts deep. That's the reason why many black women don't want you touching their hair. It's an institution in the black community. And these women will go and put chemicals in their hair. They will go and put lace front weaves and take off all of the damn baby hair and around the front of their head, their edges. I saw one woman, she even had them tattooed on her head. And when they're confused and don't know what men want, and they go and they do all these different things to themselves, and then they wind up fucked up where they only have a patch of hair on the top of their head. And they're upset because all these men have slept with them, left them with children, and never gave a damn about them as their woman, or as their wife, or as their girlfriend. We had it right during the 60s going into the 70s. A lot of black women, didn't matter whether you were dark skinned, light skinned, red bone, whatever the fuck they wanted to call you, because see, there are different gradations of color in the African-American community based on what was established by the master. And unfortunately, we took that on. And in the 70s, we were getting there, we were getting away from that shit, and everybody accepted everybody for what they were, who they were. We've always put that burden on the show. You know, I, how many shows, talk shows have you seen? Remember when Montel Williams, he said, oh, you're gonna pay your child support, blah, 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 and everybody else was doing the same thing. Well, there were some deadbeats, but what they didn't also focus on were the deadbeat moms. Not the one that old child support that didn't pay it, but the ones that could not make proper decisions to pick the right dick. The right man. And they make these perpetual mistakes over and over, relationship after relationship. And yet shows like Maury exploited that. All the rest of those shows. exploited people's lives. Now, I remember going to school when I was little. And during that time, you didn't, as kids, discriminate because somebody was darker than you. Because in Mississippi, that was a normal thing. Dark-skinned people were just like any other people. Okay, so you're different in your shade. So what? That still doesn't say anything about who you are as your character, your personality, your being. One of the guys that actually taught me how to print properly was a kid dark-skinned kid when I was a child. And he and I were the best of friends. We never once 
looked at or addressed our differences. There was no need to. Our friendship was more important than anything else in the world to us both. Even though to, his, to this very day, he couldn't play baseball with, worth a damn. <laughs> every time, you know, he had that slow reflex, so every time I pitched the ball to him, he would have a glove up, but the ball would hit him in the head, the arm, or whatever, because he just didn't have that time. And that was okay, because his dad couldn't play basketball worth a damn anyway. But I tell you one thing, give him a math problem. Get him something to write. His print, not Kurtzer, his print was damn near better than a typewriter. And that's where I learned something from this individual. Not knowing that he had that capability. And this is the thing you do in life. You will learn from people. But when you start setting ridiculous preferences, you limit yourself. Now, what was also interesting is this. There were a few dark-skinned girls that got teased. I'm not even going to kid you on that. They call him buck tooth, nappy head, etc., etc. And the kid would be crying, and we would try to cheer her up. But it was far and in between. It still happened, though. And then some of those kids also got that at home from their family and their parents. And what it did, it put them in a space where. The only place that they really got positive reinforcement was in school, from us, her peers, or her teacher. Now, one thing that we didn't know back then that, that of course, now really applies, when kids are unwanted by parents, an oops baby or whatever, they get treated differently. And during that time, we didn't understand that because we were small. But a lot of that was going on. I remember one lady in particular, she had a baby with a white man and her first baby was with a black man. That biracial child got treated better than her darker skinned daughter. I went out on one date with a lady that was in a similar situation. She had a biracial son and her daughter was by her first husband, who was an African-American man. She was African-American. And I'll never forget one day, she and her daughter had an argument. And she said she wished she had held out and had another child with her second husband. 
just because they had a dispute as mothers and daughters do have throughout their existence. She went there with it. Now this very same woman, African American, told me one day, you're nice, but I think I would rather have a white man in my life. And that's what she did. She dumped my ass. And I'm like, are you serious? She said, yeah, very serious. She got married a year afterwards. You'll find people like that. And there will be some black people that will tell a black person something they won't believe it. White man says it, white man can tell a lie. Oh, they'll believe it, 100%. Lock, stock, and barrel, won't even question it. Again, that's a holdover from slavery. But slaves devalued each other. They canceled each other out. You see that happen more often than not. You'll find that many African-American women do not want to get their hair wet when they swim. There are some who do and have no problem with it. Of course, there are some that can swim. There are some that can surf. Some that can snorkel. So it's not a stereotype where, oh, can't do that. They want to ask first instead of assume. You see, what has also happened, <clears throat> there's a contingent of black women that are frustrated with black men because they feel as though never in history have you stood up for us. They honestly believe this, which I find not true, but it's a perception, not the reality. See, the reality is, we didn't come from a monolith in Africa. There were people on these slave ships that never knew the other tribes existed. They never knew, because they had never ventured out to many of those areas. So the languages were different. So what they had to do, and we don't really give a lot of our ancestors credit for this, they had to learn how to adjust just using only the fundamental human attributes that we have. Kindness, compassion, love. We don't think about those women that were violated while these men were chained down beside them they couldn't do anything to protect them. And then if one of the mothers were sick and they'd hand the baby over to someone that, someone that could breastfeed the child, when they took that sick mother and chained her to a stone and threw her overboard. Because there were fewer rations they had to beat out to the slaves. 
We got to look at those things because those things have had an impact on many African-American women in the sense that they look back then and then they look at slavery in America. So it's refreshing to hear the documentation of that gentleman that walked those 16 miles every weekend. He went on and got married to this woman in Washington, D.C. to make, make it official. So that he knew that if he ever separated or they were ever separated because of slave owners saving, slave, uh, selling them, no matter where she was, she was still his wife. And she agreed to that and stuck by it. And this man found out that she was 16 miles away on another plantation when the master decided to sell her and the children. I think they had four kids at the time when he sold them. And this man would make it a point on the weekends, walk 16 miles there, 16 miles back to see his wife and children. She went on and had eight more kids with him. I think they had 12 all together. And this man did not want his children to not know who their father was. He wanted his family. Now, I know a lot of you ladies are saying, I wish that that was the case today. Ladies, there's some men that are trying to do it and can't. They physically can't, financially can't. Because, and I'm not making excuses for them, there's some guys that genuinely are lazy and don't want to give a shit. But they get lumped in the same category as the guys who really do give a shit and really do try to do the best thing. And see, it's not just money, and this is the problem with a lot of women when it comes to child support. Some of them are just thinking about the money. One lady I dated told me straight up, that's her retirement plan. She's gonna wait until her 15 year old son at the time turns 17, and then she's gonna have him to go file for child support that the father hadn't paid over those years. Because the way she looked at it, she should be reimbursed for all of the money that she had spent on that son. And that's her payday. Had the son feeling guilty about the shit. Folks, what I'm telling you is this. There's a long history associated when you look into the eyes of a black person that you may not really understand. In some cases, misery and pain. And not all black people are suffering. Oh, there's some that are doing very well for themselves. And you treat them like they're, they don't try. That's on you. You know, it's like Dave Chappelle said about the time when he was in line voting. And a guy in front of him said that he was gonna vote for Trump because Trump had his best interests. And Dave Chappelle's looking at him like, fool, you're poor and white. 
Those tax cuts are going to help me, not you. America's still stuck on skin color and race. The discriminatory factors have to do with class. And I'm not talking about being bougie, not that class. That class of having money, status, where they're separating themselves from everybody else. We're going to talk more in just a moment. Now, what are some of the issues that are directly related to the topic that we're discussing? Well, colorism is nothing more than the old term colorstruck, reborn. Meaning that there were certain people in certain groups, doesn't matter whether you were black, you named the race of color, you would discriminate against people that were darker than you from the standpoint of it being something that would be an embarrassment, something that would associate you back with a not so acceptable element of society as they would see it. Now, all of this is really false. But people believe this. And of course, they look at aesthetics. Now, we even see this on interracial dating sites. I was on one site that will remain nameless, but the first word is Afro. I'll leave it at that. The women were even trying to choose what type of skin tone that the man had to be before she would date him. Because what they'll do is they'll mix it like uh, Pacific Islander, so-and-so and so-and-so, and then they'll write in there something about skin tone. They don't want him too dark. They don't want to upset the apple cart or bring him into the community and offend everyone because he's too dark. And one lady told me at a mixer one time that she couldn't dare bring a black man home because too many of her friends would want to screw him. So it kind of gives you an idea of, you know, some people, where they put their value in us, right? It's between our legs, fellas. Now, the other thing that we have to keep in mind too is that these women talking about dark-skinned women, a lot of times are vilified in a workplace. Now, some women do act out. And this is the reason why I try to tell sisters, dark-skinned sisters, don't act out in public. Because they expect you to fit the stereotype of a frustrated black woman. That's what they tried to do with Michelle Obama. When she first came in, on the national stage, they tried to paint her as an angry black woman. They wanted her to be that 
stereotypical black woman and they wanted Obama, President Obama, they wanted him to be Harpo and they wanted her to be Oprah Winfrey. Because that's the way they look at black couples as a caricature. Oh, she'll keep him in line. Because what do they want? They want a non-threatening black male and a domineering black female. That's the reason why I tell many African-American women, the reason why the racists are not upset with you is because many of you are doing what they want you to do. Emasculate the black man, treat him like shit, because you're putting your foot on his neck where the white man's boot used to be years ago. And that's the reason why some black men look at black women as being the right arm of white supremacy. Because from their perspective, that's what they see. So when you emasculate these men, no matter how fucked up they are, because let me tell you something, men of every race, just like women of every race, have good people, bad people, irresponsible people, and the thing is, by you pointing this out in this segment, it permeates a complex. Now, here's the thing. Black men do it. I hear them do it all the time. They're facing black women. But there are also black men out there telling black women, hey, maybe you need to look at modifying your behavior. And sometimes delivering the message may not be the best. But the reason why they're trying to do this is because it's not about your hair color. It's not about your skin color. Black men have loved black women with dark skin, nappy hair, and everything else for decades and centuries. That hasn't been a problem. It's the behavior. And ladies, when you realize that all that being loud, they want a feminine woman. They don't want somebody that's masculine. They're tired of that shit. As men, what are we tired of? We're tired of hearing word, the word empowerment. We're tired of hearing the word generational wealth. We're tired of hearing all those buzzwords that we've heard for decades and haven't produced shit. And yet, we have a small percentage of us that go to college and do better while you have these people going through the next, whatever the next new thing is, the next new hustle, and they're still stuck on stupid. While these other people have already moved out of the damn hood and moved into the suburbs, and they're not reaching back. And then you have these people that are saying, oh, they need to get back. No, they don't. These rappers, these entertainers, these athletes, when they get out, they're out. And they're not looking back. Because they look at the sacrifice and the investment they had to make in themselves in order to get out. And they're like, if you're not willing to do that, I'm not willing to go and take on your burden. And that's the way it is. And as we know, with endeavors, 
you'll find a lot of black people that won't support black businesses or support black people. And some of it's duly deserved because of the reputation associated with some people that are subpar. But should that be a blanket statement on uh, an indictment on everybody? No, of course not. But sometimes they do this. Now, I'll probably get emailed, oh, you shouldn't be talking about that because white folks listening. Of course they're fucking listening. They've been listening for years, but haven't heard shit. And the reason why they haven't heard it is because, you know, I look at what happened with the LGBTQ community. Think about it for a moment, how they equated themselves to the struggle of African-Americans. Initially, that was the movement's cover. And then what did they start doing when Clinton got in office? Even before he got in office, when Reagan was in office. You know what they did? They worked on a comprehensive agenda And when Clinton got in office, he had to deal with don't ask, don't tell. All right. That shit went left. Bush gets in office. What do they do? They strategize. So when the LGBTQ community came back, when Obama was in office, they said, we got this shit here. Boom, there you go. Legislation and everything. Get it signed, get it done. And many people in the African-American community sat there and got mad at it. Well, he didn't do shit for us because we didn't do shit for ourselves during that interim period, like the LGBTQ community did. They coordinated their resources and got their shit together, got their agenda met. We still sitting here waiting for one man to make one decision that's going to just change everybody's lives. That's the shit I'm talking about. And this is what we have to think about because what it comes down to in many reaches of our society, Americans are tired of feeling feeling guilty. They're tired of saying my ancestors didn't own slaves. They're tired of hearing that they have white privilege because not all of them do. Just because they're white don't mean they're privileged. Because you got to remember, out of all of these races you have in this country, how come they're all not rich? It's because those people with the wealth, (laughs) they're not sharing their shit with them and make them as powerful as they are. Of course not. They want them downline, mad at minorities, mad at people coming across the border. That's how they control them. And these fools will go out there and sacrifice themselves for any kind of cause. They always do. You see it happen. The man that was on the freeway chase got pulled over because he ran out of gas because something about him taking his daughter. 
Crying to my begging Trump to come and save his ass. Trump didn't even know it happened and didn't give a fuck. All those January 6th people didn't give a fuck. <laughs> they need your vote. I need your dumb ass to do his stupid <laughs> dummy missions. And that's what it comes down to. You can talk that lost call shit all you want to. The fact of the matter is, if your ancestry fought for the Confederacy, you got fucked over just like the slaves did in many ways. Slaves got fucked over socially, culturally, through their dignity, religion, and their whole being. But you got fucked over because you expected something that didn't happen. The wealth wasn't shared with your ancestors. Many of you came back from the civil, many of your ancestors came back from the civil war, broke, injured, amputees. You didn't have any safety net. The only thing you had was pride. And that pride was based on something that was a falsehood. It wasn't your, your family's way of life that they were protecting, the Southern way of life. It was the wealthy plantation owner's way of life that you were protecting. You were protecting their money bag. And if it meant your ancestors had to go out there, fight and die for their cause, and they don't share the wealth with you, oh well, what did you get in the future? Monuments and the Confederate flag. And a group of people going around seeing how benevolent the South was, propaganda. You believe that shit. And it didn't help you any. Because many of you are in the same boat as black people. Okay, you've tried it where it didn't work with you guys going against each other. Maybe you guys should maybe sit down and have a dialogue and see whether or not you can compare notes and see that this shit's not working and maybe you can do something better. Because here's the thing. There's a lot of elements, a lot of moving parts with this. You got people that are afraid of each other based on skin color. People within their own groups. It's not the skin color, that's the problem. It's the things you can't see, such as the mindset and the hardening intentions of the person. That's the main thing. Now, the other thing that we have to look at, getting back to our main topic. So these women, African-American women, never felt protected by black men over the centuries. They were enslaved, so you couldn't protect her there on the ships through the Middle Passage. Couldn't protect her when she was on the slave auction block in places like Savannah, Georgia, Charleston, South Carolina, Charlotte, Baltimore, where even if she was sick, they would spackle lard over her body. And these people could probe inside her mouth 
stick their fingers in it. And she'd be whipped if she clamped her finger down on theirs, clamped uh, her teeth down on their finger. And the sad thing about it, many of those slaves had more value than most of the people there at the auction could afford. There was a price put on. Now, under plantation, the black man couldn't protect her. Mass could come out there to the field, take over to the shed, fuck her, and she's pregnant with his biracial baby. The mammy ran the big house. You know, it's funny. I was really sad. I was looking through some of the archival photos of uh, the Civil War. And they had this old black woman with her breast out, breastfeeding this white child. I never saw one with a white woman doing that. Even when I looked at some of the vintage porn from back in that period, them motherfuckers didn't shave and they were pretty funky. Woman had armpit hair and hair on her pussy looked like a mustache. I think it was a goatee and beard. <laughs> but here's the problem. The black man once again couldn't protect her. And what many started to believe over time was that it was a willful laziness. Because after all, they started hearing that all the time about how lazy black men were. And a lot of black women believed that. And so this is the frustration that many African-American women still have today. It's been handed down generation after generation after generation. I'll never forget a lady that I knew when I was taking classes over at San Bernardino Valley College, African-American woman. She told me, she said, you know, I know my mom told me when I was a kid that I'm gonna have to work hard, go to college and pay my own way. because I'm a dark-skinned black girl. And I asked her, I said, why do you, why do you still carry that? And she said, because it's true. She said, don't you notice the only guys that want to talk to me are the white guys? Just to see what it's like to be with a black girl. didn't know what she was experiencing at the time.
She she knew. And she wanted to position herself where she could make a better choice in man. And not just settle for somebody that just showed her attention. I get it. So this is some of the frustration. It's not all of it. And some of the frustration that black women have been it to me. Now, personally, I don't give a damn what race a woman is if I like her, I like her. That's it. I don't get so caught up in the packaging. I don't give anyone special treatment over the other. I'm a moderate to the core. And the reason why is because I can't have any bias as far as being conservative or liberal. I have to call it fair as it is down the middle. As I told you, the woman that I went out with in, from Uganda, there were black women that tore her down. There were black women that were saying negative things about her, calling her a smut baby. All this other shit. Because they were lighter than she was. She was way more well-rounded than the rest of them. Had a lot more going on for herself. But see, that's where it starts. I remember in the South, my dad even used to tell me, oh, you know, I don't know, you don't need no real dark woman with gold teeth. She looked like a damn Cadillac. I'm like, what the hell does that mean? I wouldn't date any woman with gold teeth. I don't give a shit. I don't like gold teeth. No matter what race she is. My whole thing was that she's a good woman. That's all I care about. But these are some of the things that people bring to the forum. Now, trust me, I get your emails in in regards to some of the things you've experienced. Some of you ladies have experienced some pretty horrible things. I get it. And some of you don't quite understand some of the situations you're dealing with. I'll put it to you this way. Let me put it to you simple. Let's say you wore a dress, ladies, that was purple on one side and pink on the other. And with that, your makeup reflected that color combination along with your hairdo, along with your stockings and your shoes. And you went out and everybody asked you, why did you choose those two colors? You know what that's like? That's like being a minority and people walking up to you and asking you questions about your physical appearance. They don't do so much now as they did in the past because people have educated themselves. The Gen Z generation has contributed greatly to the integration of accepting one's own being. But some of you folks, mm-mm. And usually it's the Gen Xers and Boomers that are doing this shit. Gen Y's kind of, they've kind of adjusted. Gen Z has adjusted. 
Now, the other thing too, no matter what female you are, whether you're white, black, Asian, Native American, Filipino, Japanese, I don't give a shit what race you are. If you don't tell yourself that you love you every day and you don't have anything positive to say about yourself every day, you need to start doing so. For you. Society has no right to tell you what you are, what you're not. Society has no right to tell you that you're ugly. And even if a person tells a woman or a lady tells a man that he's ugly, that's her opinion. That's not a personal indictment. And that person is not warranted to tell you these things. Now, I know it's difficult for some of you ladies when somebody in your family tells you that. That shit hurts. But what you have to also understand is that that's their opinion too. But you got to love yourself more than they claim they love you. Now, a few other things that we have to come to grips with. When we get into relationships and you're dealing with a person that may have darker skin, the first thing you need to really talk about before you get involved in that relationship is to find out where they are self-esteem wise. And the reason why I say this is because in some cases they may look at you as a come up. And that's not really helping them. It's actually hurting them more than it's helping them because they become codependent on you and your success and your prominence in society. You want to make it where they feel as though they're just as valid as you are. In order for it to work. But that has something to do with them trying to do this organically. You can't superimpose this on them. They have to come to you equipped with that. And this is to help you and help your partner go forward. Because, trust me, they have been hit with the inferiority complex thing. They've been hit with the racism. They've been hit with the jokes. And I'm not just talking about blacks. I'm talking about people in general that are darker skinned. You know, it's funny. I dated a lady one time out of Costa Mesa, California. I thought I was going to say Costa Mesa, didn't you? There's no OA in there. And, because um, I'd almost fucked it up one time. And... She told me how she was discriminated against because she tans very well and she gets real dark during the summer. And I said, no, you can't. And she said, no. She said, seriously. She said, there's some people that treat me as if I'm mixed with something and they treat me differently during the summer months. I thought she was lying until we went to South Coast Plaza. I went to this one store. They treated her like with a long-handled spoon. That sales representative went ahead. Nothing to do with her. And of course, she treated an African-American woman the same. 
And the two of them, when we were walking toward the food court, it was like, you know, it's messed up, you know, that, and they started to realize, even though this woman was white and this other female was black, they were still treated the same way by this particular representative. Well, my girl came back and filed a complaint. And I'm sure it wasn't just the weight of her complaint, but the weight of others as well. That woman was no longer working there anymore. People will discriminate against you based on almost anything. Some of the most obvious things, believe it or not, skin color and hair texture. And ladies, let me tell you something. Most men will not be with a woman to have a baby that has light skin and good hair. As men, what we try to do is avoid having kids all together because when we see a dollar signs, we don't see children like you do. We look through a different lens. Y'all see little cuddly Johnny when you're coming out of the maternity ward and you got him in your arms. You know, we see in that blanket, a big ass dollar sign. <laughs> it could be either pink or blue. And then at the base of it, it has 18 years. So that's something that a lot of times women are caught up in as far as the aesthetics of things. I'm gonna talk more in just a moment. Folks, let's carry on, shall we? Now, societally, we don't think about skin color and race, at least consciously. Subconsciously, however, there may be a different answer to that question. People may not get jobs because of their skin color. Or they may get it just based on that alone. Well, you know, we want to hire an African-American, but we want to make sure that we send a message that we really hire an African-American. So, uh, yes, the person that has the pecan tan, no, nah, 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 not dark enough. No, let's get this young lady over here because she is a minority. She's black in particular and she fits the gender requirement for affirmative action. So let's bring her in. That's the thinking of some institutions, whether we like it or not. Now, so there are a couple of things here. The perception of some black men is that these women can get up the ranks because they're non-threatening. For black men, oh, they're left 
maybe if they're lucky, they'll get to the managerial ranks. Corporate ranks, executive ranks, I don't know. They'll let the black woman up there. And this is where a lot of them see it. See, the roadblock that we ran into, myself and many men, in that late boomer generation and early Gen X generation, with the black folks that benefited from affirmative action, yeah, they didn't want anybody else to fuck it up for them. So, in many cases, they'd rather to have hired someone else. Seen that done. Because they don't want to fuck it up. When I got into the IT field, even when I was in broadcasting, same thing. Black person didn't want to fraternize with you because they didn't want anybody thinking that they were conspiring. Well, damn. So you had to keep to yourself. And God help you if a black female came into the organization. Oh, every person that's not black gonna try to hook you up with that person. And it's like, nah, we, 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 we don't vibe like that. That's the kind of primal thinking you had out there. Thank God that shit is changing. Now, the one thing I want you to take away from this, one, you don't deserve to have an inferiority complex because of the way you look or because of who you are. So get that out of the picture. I've even dated women who were so pale that people would crack jokes on them. Never understood it. They were good people. But see, the thing is, sometimes we have in our mind what we don't like and everybody else shouldn't like it either. And we try to spread that. Nope. But there's somebody that don't like you for who you are. And there are some people that have fetishes. As I told you, there are people that are adorophiles that love certain types of skin tones. Like, for instance, with me, I don't mind this woman's skin tone. As long as she doesn't have scales, we cool. If she has scales and them little beady eyes and those pointed ears and those serrated teeth, with those two long eye teeth that come past her bottom lip. Oh, I know some shit going on the wrong way then. I ain't, I'm not gonna kid you, Katie May, if you're listening, sweetie, I do apologize, but I ain't gonna lie to you. On our first date, when you took me out in that damn Pontiac uh, hearse, yeah, I thought it was curtains for my ass that night. I had my holy water and my cross because I didn't know. <laughs> My girlfriend looked more like a mortician than anybody else. But we had a good relationship. She was a sweetheart. 
First time I ever had lunch from In-N-Out Burger in the back of a hearse at a cemetery. Talking about she wanted to eat with the crowd. Kind of strange. But I did like the disco ball inside the uh, hearse. That was pretty neat with the sound system. Well, yeah, it, it, it happens, folks. And here's the thing, too, to keep in mind. When you're dating and you do have differences and you see these differences going into the relationship, don't ignore them. Address them. See, here's the thing. The most patronizing thing a person can say that's offensive is, oh, I don't see color. Bullshit. Everybody sees color. Hopefully. Unless you went and had a glaucoma uh, surgery like me, and you start to see, you still see in color, but you see kind of like uh, grays, black and whites. And then you had that one fucked up color, you don't know what it is. You know, one, one complaint I have, and I got to get this out. Who the fuck made the color burnt orange? Whoever made that color, I'm telling you right now, they need to be exiled to Point Nemo. They do not need to be among us. That's one of the most fucked up colors I've ever seen. Because it's like an orange and it's like a brown. And it's like that fucked up, you know, it's a weird color. So, with that said, folks, you got to take some of the negative criticism people give you with a grain of salt when it comes down to things. They don't know you, so they have no right to make an assessment or judgment on you based on your skin color, based on what they perceive you to be. One thing to keep in mind, the takeaways from this, never allow someone to put you in a class or place that you don't belong. And when I say you don't belong, well, you don't see putting yourself there. That's for you to determine, not for someone else. You have to also remember that there's a lot of insecurity going on there when these people start trying to demean you and put you in a certain category because they're afraid you're a threat to them. And most of all, love yourself and let other people love you too because some of you, your self-esteem is so low and you beat yourself up and you tell yourself nobody else will love you Maybe you should give them a chance. You'd be surprised. Look at being hard on yourself. And we got to remember, all this shit that has to do with skin color and all this, all this is superficial. Based on the divide and conquer strategy and theory. 
one of these days, you guys are going to ignore this shit. Like Gen Z is trying to do now. And go past it. Or we could work together as a better cluster of human humanity. And have a better existence on this planet. And as shit gets wild and crazy, which it's doing now. Talk to you folks down there in San Antonio and Dallas that are dealing with 100 plus temperatures. That's weather we would normally have in Vegas and California. So we know something's going on. There's something happening here. Damn, I wanted to date Stevie Nicks. Nevertheless, (laughs) the main thing we got to keep in mind is that we got to try to do our best at being the best of us who you are as a person. Take care, folks. Talk to you on tomorrow. We at Romantic Truth appreciate your listenership. Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music. Amazon Music, Spotify, Audio Mac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those solely of the host and are not condoned, or endorsed by Romantic Truth, Anchor or any of its affiliates. The advice given herein is the expressed opinion of the host and not to be used for legal, marital, or family counseling, or for professional practice purposes. In the event for professional assistance, please contact the local licensed professional family counselor, marriage counselor or social services professional in your region. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. Be advised that all of the background music of production not provided by Anchor is owned by James Adams and Jaws and One Music exclusively licensed for this Romantic Truth podcast under waiver. Please understand that there were no people or animals hurt in the segments of this show including plants. All sound effects were improvised in the studio setting with props. We are an equal opportunity employer with two Yorkie Poodles and a Rat Terrier as the security detail. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.